Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. And if you're wondering why the Jay, the answer is, I'm not a bagpipe player. And if that joke doesn't make any sense, I encourage you to check out episode zero, where I explain that joke, as well as the purpose of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast, where we talk about faith, family, fitness, finances, and sometimes fun. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode. I am glad to see you. And yes, I'm back in the studio again. I think that's three straight episodes. And I always highlight that because I just know the episodes look and sound better. So again, Shane Dell is awesome. I appreciate all that she does. And I'm glad to be here with you. I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, because the last two episodes got a great response. I appreciate you guys listening to them both on Spotify and iTunes, but also the YouTube page is growing. So if you want to head over to that YouTube page, and just hit click and like and subscribe, that would mean a lot uh, because that page is growing. And right now, the listens, excuse me, the views over there are sometimes higher than on Spotify, which is crazy. But either way, thank you so much. Uh, It's good to be here. You know, I've got to share a story that's unrelated to what I'm going to talk about. about. I'm sure I'm going to find a way to bridge it. Uh, And if I enjoy the story enough, it's just going to be what I talk about. But uh, I was listening on Monday to the Bedros Koulian show. Now, Bedros Koulian is an entrepreneur. He, he's got a um, um, j- launch of gyms and nutritional supplements. Came over uh, from, um, you know, he was an immigrant. And just uh, his story is amazing. He is a build yourself up from, you know, the bottom kind of guy. And he speaks to men. I think he said his audience is 97% men. Very straightforward. Uh, and I enjoy him. I like his podcast. It's not hyper rah, rah, rah kind of stuff. But he does, I mean, he gives good practical advice. And he runs this project called The Project. And it's sort of a boot camp uh, for men. And they basically, over three days, uh, you don't sleep. They tear you down, build you back up physically, mentally, to ultimately make you a better um, uh, family man, a better business person, those kind of things. And he tells a story uh, that there's one... Uh, evolution in this project where you're crawling through wet sand while the water crashes on you. And I think they have a drill structure and they're yelling at you the whole time. And it's cold and it's in the middle of the night. Now you can quit. You can crawl out and, and ring a bell. But if you do that, you have to leave the project. You're not just quitting that one evolution. And so lots of guys don't make it. And again, they're trying to break guys down to build them back up. And there's one guy struggling. Bedros Koulian goes up to him and says, what makes you think you even deserve to be here? And it was like the last straw for this guy, and the guy was getting ready to quit. Um, but Bedros was able to intervene, and he gave this guy this advice. He said, you know, don't make long-term decisions based on short-term emotions. Wow. You know, basically, don't make a long-term decision because you've got a short-term feeling. Feeling, excuse me. And he worked with that guy and just helped him. You know, ask me where are other places you're doing that, and that's the purpose of the project, or at least that discipline, to reveal that about himself. That maybe somewhere this guy was making these big, giant decisions based upon how he felt in the moment. Now, I shared that story with my local 212 networking group today. Uh, I, I, uh, we have a mentor moment, and so I got you know four or five minutes, and I shared that story. But it's just stuck with me um, all week since I listened to it. That wasn't even the topic of Bedros's podcast, which Bedros, I'd love to have you on, by the way. Um, it's just It was just a side comment, but that's the way it works. I'll go running in the morning, and I've got the headphones on, and I, just one of those moments, one of those comments will stick with me. 
So, of course, what's the wise thing I should do? And I, you know what? This is probably what we're going to talk about. I've got an idea for next week. I'll just save it. Let's just stay here because this is important. This is it's interesting to me. I hope it's interesting to you as I lean in. So the right question to ask on that is not just like, ooh, that's profound or ooh, that's tweetable. I mean, the question is, you know, do we do that? Or do I do that? Where am I making long-term decisions based upon short-term feelings or emotions? Well, it's very easy to do that when you're angry. Right, if, if you're mad, justifiably so or irrationally so, it's very easy uh, to make a long-term decision because how you feel at that moment. And when we do that, we put ourselves in jeopardy. Uh, we can uh, burn relationships um, in business opportunities, say things that are damaging to our family, um, uh, we become, by habit at that point in time, impulsive people. And real damage can happen to everything when we're making long-term decisions based upon short-term emotions. Now, people say, wait a minute, Gordon, what about trusting your gut? And you know what? I get that. I get the whole trust your gut thing. My gut's usually not wrong. I've never met anyone who goes, well, no, my gut's wrong. Everybody in the world's got some super amazing gut. Oh, I always trust my gut. I'm always right. Well, sometimes we're wrong. Sometimes we assess people incorrectly or we assess situations incorrectly. Um, and so, listen, I'm all for whatever you call your gut, you, you know, your, your inner voice, your inner monologue, whatever the case may be. But we've got to take assessment when we're considering long-term decisions. That's the key. The, the whole point about this is how not to screw up a long-term decision. And if we're basing it on a short-term emotion, that can change over a cup of coffee or good or bad night's sleep. It can change with too much alcohol. It can change because, you know, what you ate for lunch doesn't sit well. Um, it can change because of the smell of your car. All those things can change how you feel in a moment. And we've got to learn to become better assessors of how, or excuse me, of what our feelings and emotions mean. I mean, one of the things I've really sought to do uh, ever since uh, my battle with epilepsy and, and, and I had to pay attention more to my mind and I had to study it is one of the things I've been trying to do is to, to tell myself what to think. doesn't mean I'm a robot. But, like, if I don't have if – I, if I truly should just be happy for someone's success and I'm jealous, why don't I have to go, well, I'm just going to be jealous. It's the way I feel. No. It's not the correct emotion. I don't have a reason to be jealous. I should – I mean, you know, their success doesn't take anything away from me. I should be excited for them. And there's no reason for me to be jealous. I have to tell myself, hey, listen, Gordon, don't be jealous. How do I do that? Remind yourself of what you have. Remind yourself of what you're thankful for. Don't be jealous. Go tell that person genuinely, congratulations, great job. And then you go, well, wait a minute, but I wanted that thing, okay? Why didn't you get it? You know, what's radical responsibility? What did I do? And so all of a sudden... Instead of making a long-term decision, which might be me going and destroying a relationship, instead of just letting my, my feelings and emotions run the moment, I have to stop. First thing I have to do is have to tell myself, uh, you know, Gordon, act in a way that's consistent with the character that you want to have for yourself. And if I go and get angry or if I'm petty or jealous or envious, those kind of things, it's not the character I want for myself. But even more importantly, how am I presenting myself? I want to be a professional. I don't want to be a person that celebrates other people's wins. Uh, I, it doesn't have to be as cutthroat. I win, you win. 
I, your success doesn't steal from my success. And again, I'm only using this one example, but the whole idea is we've got to be careful not to let our present emotions and feelings cause us to, to make a decision that has such long-term ramifications. Like you might have a client and, uh, well, let's say better yet, um, you, you're working for someone and they make you angry. That's going to happen. It's going to happen when you work for someone. Now, that, what they've done might be incredibly justified. I mean, like your emotions to their, what they've done might be incredibly justified. They may have spoken to you harshly, um, called you things. I mean, there's a reason that you'd be upset for that. True. How do you handle that? Well, you can respond in such a way that you immediately lose your job or that you get in trouble or whatever the case may be. Or there's a way rationally you can think through it and approach it correctly. Uh, speaking to other superiors, um, sitting down and, and, and mediating how it goes. The whole important thing here is that if, if we're not actively thinking through our emotions and feelings and thinking through how to be in charge of them, telling our brain what to do instead of our brain telling us what to do. If we're not doing that, we put ourselves at risk of making long-term decisions that could be really detrimental to our families. Now, again, this sounds Vulcan-like, this sounds uh, robot-like, but guys, we do have the ability to begin to work on the emotions and feelings we have. We can do it by being objective, by asking objective questions, like, you know, what, what do I look like outside of myself? We can do it by journaling, and thinking through our emotions and feelings. We can do it by having trusted friends that we ask opinions of. We can do prayer. We can do it through meditation. We can do it through exercise. There's lots of ways in which we become objective observers of our emotions, as much as possible. We can't be 100%. And even more importantly, when we're about to make a decision that's going to have a long-term ramification, we have to make sure that we're not making it based upon a temporary feeling. Asking ourselves, weighing, weighing the situation, is this best for this long-term decision? So for that guy who was in the, in the water, going back to the <clears throat> story from Bedros, he could have quit. He would have gone, rung the bell, and walked out. And he had spent the rest of his life going, I really wish I could have finished that 72 hours of the project. What he would have learned about himself that day, he may not have liked. Might have been the reality. But in what's the long-term, the, the long-term scenario there? Did he quit the project? No, it's what he has to deal with following that. What I love, though, is the opportunity for him to stop and ask, wait a minute, is how I'm feeling now that important? You know, when running a marathon, sorry, lots of running marathon analogies, and also sorry, I just ate lunch, so I apologize if you see me hiccuping. You know, it's 26.2 miles, and every marathon's different. Every marathon has its own personality, and your brain in each one. Um, I've run them super prepared and I've run them like, Hey, I'm going to run one next week. I've done both, right? I've done one prepared. I've done one untrained. Um, there's a misery aspect for all of them. Uh, no matter what, um, no matter how well I am doing, even when I have set PRs and qualified for Boston, every marathon I've had the temptation to quit. You know, especially if I have a goal, like I want to run a certain speed and I know it's impossible to get. Like if I know I'm trying to break three hours and 25 minutes, you know, when I'm at mile 20, you're getting pretty good sense of whether you're going to get there or not. At mile 22, you're a no. And if you're off, you're not going to achieve it. You'd have to start running like fives. And I'm like, that's not possible. And it's tempting to quit. It is. 
So in my 27 marathons, I have quit two of them. I've shared those stories before. One of those is when I came down with an infection and a fever literally on the starting line. And I ran 14 miles and I had to go see the doctor. Um, that one, you know what? No complaints about it. I'm glad I stopped that one. It was a healthy decision for me. I was running a fever. I had an elevated heart rate. Um, two marathons after that, I stopped around mile 10. And you know why? Uh, the beginning of that marathon was a teardrop. It's sort of like a little mini out and back. You go out five miles and come back five miles. You go by the starting line, and then you go run the rest of the marathon. I do not like marathons like that because you're so tempted to quit because you're at an easy point to quit. And I was starting to have discomfort similar to what I felt in that other marathon, right? And I, qu I quit that one. And to this day, I look back and think, I could have finished that marathon. I could have. I was dealing with a little bit of... Uh, you know, worry that am I repeating the situation? Um, I didn't feel like I was running my best. And I remember going home just in the worst mood. And I thought, you know, I didn't use that terminology because I didn't know it then. I was like, man, I made a decision based upon how I was feeling that moment that wasn't accurate. And so that was on a Saturday. So what I did on that Monday, I started looking for marathons. I'm like, I'm in marathon shape. I need to finish the marathon. And there was one the following Saturday. A terrible marathon. Terrible meaning it's the Charlottesville Marathon. so full of hills. It's, it's a good marathon. It's just so hilly. It's not the one you want to make your comeback at. But I thought, I'm going to go run that one, and I'm going to push through this mental barrier. And I went and ran it, and terrible hills. Halfway through, I wanted to quit. But I finished that marathon because I needed to tell myself – that I had the mental fortitude and ability to tell my brain and body what to do. Now, guys, our emotions, I know, are not as simple as running marathons. Marathons are amazingly psychological. You know, when you're running one the day of, it's 80% psychological, I promise you. But we need to become people, and I'm going to say need, because I think we'd all do well to raise our emotional, um, our EQ, right? Our emotional intelligence. If we could raise our EQs, become more aware of why we're thinking what we're thinking and what ramifications it might have, I think we'd be better apt to make wiser long-term and short-term decisions. So i got to thank Bedros for that just throw-off comment. I'm sure it was profound in the moment, and that wasn't even the point of the podcast, but that hit me. You know, Let's not make long-term decisions based upon short-term feelings. I encourage you guys the same. I know this has been more of personal coaching than marketing coaching, but I still enjoy doing a bit of that as well. Um, but it's a good business practice to take to yourself. And as you're making long-term decisions, whether they're financial or whether they're relationships with other people or whether they're business contracts, I encourage you to sit and be objective, get feedback from others, and just make sure that you're making it as much as you can from the best of intentions and as objectively as possible and not letting poor emotions overrun and make you make decisions that might affect you and your family and your business in the long term. Well, gang, thanks so much. I just thought that was going to be an intro story. It wound up being the entire podcast itself. I'm going to save what I've got. Um, I had a podcast I decided to do on the lowest moment I'd ever had in my business and how I got out of it, but I think I'm going to save that for next time. But I appreciate you tuning in, as guys always, every Monday. And you know what? If you join my Capitalize Your Best Facebook group, 
That's Capitalize Your Best Facebook group. There's three questions you have to answer to get in, but this podcast debuts there one day early every single week. But I appreciate you being here. As always, thanks for the likes, comments, and subscriptions, and I will see you again next week. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. How do you shorten the time it takes to buy a car? Car buying just got easier. Pohanka365.com lets you complete as much or as little of the car buying process online. Pohanka365.com. Car buying simplified. Anytime, anywhere. Small business owners, you should be praised for wanting to grow your business. That's a good thing, and not everybody has the guts to do it. As a business owner myself, I know you've overcome obstacles that people don't even know about. Hi, my name is Gordon Duncan, the owner of Capitalized Marketing and Consulting, and I want you to know that if your business hasn't grown like you want it to, it's not your fault. If it's not COVID getting in the way, it's ridiculous things like changing social media algorithms. You're right in thinking that very few people are doing small businesses any favors right now. But Capitalized Marketing and Consulting is here to help. We've created a 90-day course that is guaranteed to grow the revenue of your business. It will give you the tools that you've been looking for. And as a certified coach, I would be with you along the way. If you would like to learn more about our program, just visit CapitalizeYourBest.com and get started enjoying the success you deserve. Again, that's CapitalizeYourBest.com. And I can't wait to celebrate all you accomplish.